if we haven't ever met before, my name is Parker. I'm a pastor here at the church, and I am, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to speak to the church today. Uh, I, I don't get to do this very often, and so uh, I, I really feel like when I'm up here, it's almost an expectation that I would speak on worship, considering that you won't normally see me up here singing anyways. And so uh, we're going to talk about worship today. In fact, I'm going to uh, do an, a message that we did together at an encounter worship night back in the summer last year. Uh, where we really talked about worship, because here's the deal. I think that worship is one of those things that you almost need to like experience to actually fully understand it. So we're kind of flipping the service flow upside down a little bit to, to really not only learn a little bit together, but to experience some um, different really types or categories of of worship, because uh, I, I really do think that some things are harder to really give a definition to. I mean, worship is something hard to just like really point to and say, this is what worship is. This one sentence defines worship. It, it reminds me of my son right now who is four, and he's gotten extremely inquisitive. His name is Owen. I have a four-year-old and a nine-month-old, but my four-year-old Owen, very inquisitive right now, and I feel like right now he really asks me questions, and it feels like the goal is just to kind of prove that dad doesn't like really know everything, right? Kind of like, and so it's question after question after question until he can really prove that. So he'll say, dad, what's that sound? And I said, but I think that's, a, I think that's an airplane. And he goes, well, where, where is it going? I said, I mean, but it's, pro it's probably going to the Orlando uh, airport. And he, and he says, well, what's Orlando? <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's where we live, but it's kind of, you know, where we get to live in Florida, it's, 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 it's where we live. He says, well, what is live? What is living? Uh, you know, it's, it's like breathe, you know, breathing and existing and like, you know, being aware. Well, what's, what's being aware? God, I don't know, but like you, you got me. And then he just kind of like walks away. And leaves me to go on my phone, like looking up how to like define awareness, and and I think I think that awareness is kind of one of those things, right? It's like how do you actually explain some of the like the most fundamental things? Some things you have to actually experience to really understand fully what it means. I really do believe worship is one of those things to just give a definition and say, all right, or read one scripture and say, this is worship, I think would do worship, uh, wouldn't do worship very much justice at all. Because worship is such a, a fundamental part about what we do. And so I wanna take really three stories in the Bible and illustrate for us different, what I'm calling directions or uh, if you're nerdy like me, maybe we call it like dimensions of, of worship, right? Three different directions or dimensions of worship. And after, at the end of each section, I kind of want to take a moment and apply it. So we're going to actually go back into worship. That's why our worship team is still up on stage today. Go back into worship and apply what it is that we're, we're talking about. And so our first direction, is everybody ready? Our first direction is horizontal, horizontal, and kind of the key point here is that worship increases our faith. Worship increases our faith. I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'm sure that you have. You know, I don't, it doesn't really matter what kind of week you're having. When you walk into an auditorium where there are people excited and ready to lift up the name of Jesus, and you look around the room and you see people with their hands up, Maybe, maybe our circumstances don't unite us, but our God does. And we lift up his name together. And there's this feeling that you get. It's like this anticipation inside of you. And it's faith. Faith gets stirred up in you. And it's not even something maybe that you were coming and expecting. You don't even necessarily have to say that you are a Christian or in a relationship with God. But when you see people, see people getting together, declaring and excited about who God is, it does something inside of you and really stirs, stirs up your faith. And we have a worshiping church. I mean, we have a church full of faith, and you can see that every, every Sunday morning when we get together and you watch people say, listen, I, don't, I, I had this kind of week, yes, but my God is greater, my God is bigger, and people get excited just being in that, in, in, in that environment, and faith is, is pretty important. It doesn't take a lot of faith for God to be able to do something. Matthew chapter 17 tells us that, he says, Jesus, Jesus says this, he says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So picture this church, every, every day that we, every Sunday that we get together and we worship and it stirs up our faith, it actually creates an environment which enables the power of God to be active. I mean, how powerful is that? That we, we get together and we just worship and lift the name of Jesus and it creates an environment that then God, I think God looks throughout the earth for people that have faith. Because just a little bit of faith that you have is in a situation that he can then step into. It's because of your faith that his power is activated. Man, I feel, I think one of the best scriptures to highlight this I want to look at together is the battle of Jericho. And some of us might not know this story. Some of us might know it very well. But just to kind of set the scene, the Israelites, which are God's chosen people, have spent decades in slavery with the Egyptians. And God calls Moses to bring them out of the land of slavery and into the promised land. Really the, the, the call of the Israelites to be in the promised land. And I know in, in our auditoriums today, I know every person has a place that God has called you to. And we all have a journey of really separating ourselves from the things that binds us and puts us in chains and slavery, and we're on a journey to get to all that, that God has called us to. So we can identify in this story pretty well. But on the way there, they walk through the desert. They spend some time in the desert. And then the, finally the moment comes where God is calling them to take a step into the promised land. And little did the people know that it was going to take a fight. And the first, the first fight they run into is this very well-fortified nation or city of Jericho meaning it had really strong, uh, powerful walls that surrounded the city. So the people think, all right, we're going to the promised land, but now there's these walls in front of us. What do, what do, we, what do we do? And God, God has a plan, but I got to tell you, it's a, it's a pretty unconventional plan. Listen, listen to this, Joshua chapter 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That's good news, okay. Along with its king and fighting men. Great. What do we do? Verse 3. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall and its sit, the, around the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in. Now this is like really cool, great news because God's got a plan. But this is like, and put yourself there for a moment. Like this is a very unconventional plan. Listen to this first that the musicians, it says, I'm a, right, the seven priests carrying trumpets, the musicians were in the front. Like just, Chris, I want to ask Chris, our drummer, to come up front for me for a second. I don't, I don't think that we fully understand what this means. So I have the opportunity of leading worship here at the church. Chris is our drummer here at the church. This is Chris. Say hi, Chris. Yes, this is Chris. Now, I just want to ask the church here, would you feel comfortable if we're going to go to battle seeing Chris and myself on the front lines? Would that make you feel like our God knows what he's doing? Thanks, Chris. Give it up for Chris. Thank you it up for Chris. I told, I told Chris, I'm probably going to bring you up to the front and they're going to laugh at us for a minute. So thank you, Chris, for being my volunteer. But, but this is unconventional, right? The musicians are in the front. And I think what, what the picture here that this helps us do, because God's always got a plan, is it, is it help the people of Israel realize that, yes, I have taken this city for you, but it's not with your own power and strength. This isn't going to be something that with your own ability you do. I just need you to trust me. And so the best way I know how to get you to trust me, let's get the musicians in the front. Let's start there. Right, because this isn't going to show the nation or city of Jericho that like you guys are going to do this on your own. I think that's why every weekend we start out with worship and we sing songs like Battle Belongs and say, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high, acknowledging, hey, I got this situation, God. I don't know what to do with it, but what I do know is that you're greater and that you're stronger. 
and that I'm gonna fight, but it's not with my own ability. It's not with my own intellect. It's with my ability to surrender the battle to you. And because I know I do that, I know that then you'll work on, on my behalf. So that's, a, it's unconventional. The second thing is that they were to, the, the actual plan itself was to march once around the city for six days. And then on the seventh day, they're to march around the city seven times. Now I've always, I've heard this uh, story for a long time. Let's pretend that this is Jericho and all that God has for us is over there. And we're walking from the desert and you're, you're, you're instructed to walk around Jericho once every day for six days. And I've always wondered if you can get around Jericho, why not just keep, if I can get around Jericho, I mean, the math would be what? Six plus seven, 13 times? I'm on that side of Jericho. Why not just keep going? Leave Jericho behind me. I think there's an illustration here for us that, man, God, God just doesn't wanna deliver us from your situation. He wants to deliver you through it. If, if, God, if God saves you from it, sure, you can, you can get to the next thing God has for you. But when you look backward, all you're gonna see is those fortified walls that, that never came down. And you will continue to go through life afraid of the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But if, you, if God delivers you through the situation in ways that you, you never could imagine, now you can look back and see, yeah, that was a time where I didn't know God could get me through it. Not only did he, but those walls are down. And so if God, if God could do it then, then this next battle, it could be bigger, but all I know is that when I surrendered it to God, those walls are gonna come down at some point. God, God's got this in control. It was unconventional. The third thing that was unconventional is that at the very end, everyone's just supposed to give this really large shout, right? And they're just supposed to, I, I'm imagining, okay, so the musicians are in the front. There's gotta be some sort of line that gets crossed that maybe was like a starting place every day, right? So they're starting here and they, they go. And at some point, I mean, this, we're talking about like a million people here crossing over this line with the musicians in the front anticipating for like seven days what is gonna happen at the end of this. And at some point they get to that line and now they have to start to yell. I don't think it's like this like, crazy moment of like just confident yelling, right? I'm picturing like more of like a, like them all kind of looking at each other and then kind of like, ah, you know, just trying to like get this thing started. I'm picturing that happening at the front, but picture it at the back. Picture once that momentum catches on and you're in the back and you hear a confident yell knowing that God is going to do, I don't know how, but God is going to do what he says that he's going to do. I'm thinking of like, a, like an old like war movie or something, right? And you can feel the anticipation of what's about to happen. It's their faith. Because here's the truth, church. It wasn't a sonic wave of, it wasn't this massive wave of sound that was able to, push the wall down. It was their faith. It wasn't science. It wasn't by sheer force or luck. Just a little bit of faith can move a mountain. And so when they all screamed, this is why every weekend we start worship with a countdown. And we go into a really big, powerful, energetic song because there's walls in our life 
things that we're walking in this auditorium with. And when we sing in faith together, faith increases. And when faith increases, the power of God is able to be accessed in a way that then brings, brings those walls down. It was because, church, it was because of their faith. So I want us to do this. I want us to stand up to our feet all across the room. And listen, this isn't just excitement just for the sheer sake of excitement, right? It brings purpose to those moments that you've seen in our church where we're all singing and excited together in faith because we know that when faith shows up, the power of God is made accessible. And so I wanna try this, we picked a song purposefully that has language all throughout it that is very horizontal in nature, right? So it's gonna say things that are encouraging the room directly. And I just want you to practice this together. I want us to practice looking around the room and taking in a moment where not only do we know that in this auditorium today, we're all singing this together. There's auditoriums all across our city, Oviedo, Sanford, South Orlando, and people in their homes online right now and when we join together in this moment, I want you to fully take in this idea of horizontal worship, that you might have walls and things going on in your life and you just accept that faith is in the room and you say, God, this is what I know that you can do. I promise you walls are gonna come down in this place. So let's, let's worship and sing this out together, church. Every voice, every location, let's declare this together. People come together, strangers, neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. Don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up, I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from, yeah. It's in you. Don't let your heart, don't let your heart yeah. trouble. Hold your head up, I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes, fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. Yes, he is. Take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where I have. Come on, sing it again. Don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high. Don't feel no, no evil. Fix your eyes. Yeah. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our hell comes from.
When the praise goes up, when the praise goes up, walls come down. Oh, come on, church. When the praise goes up, we know we're going to see walls come down. Come on, I speak to every wall in every auditorium in this place and hope that you hear that walls are going to come down. Because our church is going to lift up a praise together. Come on, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Let the praise go up and the walls come down. Oh, creation. Everything with rest, repeat the sound. His holy children. Clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Oh, come on, can you feel that in the auditorium? today it does something inside of you right come on you can feel faith in the room and that's exactly what we're talking about man when praise goes up we know that we can see walls come down so God we give you praise in every auditorium today God we lift your name high knowing God knowing that you're able God we don't we don't know how to handle our own situation God but we know that you can in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, everybody, that is, that's the first direction here together. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat as we go into our next section here. That's the, uh, listen, that's the exciting one. That's the one that gets you excited. But here's the thing, worship is so much more than just getting excited, all right? I hope that that brings purpose to the excitement, right, because it's not, Again, worship is not apart from the excitement. Some people, when they're trying to like define worship with a good heart, they say, listen, like worship isn't all just about getting all excited at church and stuff. Like worship is about other things, man. And that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it excludes the excitement, 
But I am, because I am saying it involves it, but it's so much more than that. And so we're going to go into our next direction here. You might be able to guess it. We're going vertical now, right? We went to horizontal first. So now we're going to go vertical. To illustrate vertical, I want to read a a scripture together. I'm going to ask Pastor Aaron to come up here. And he's going to read us this scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 7. Pastor Aaron, you take us away. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw that he said to himself, if this was a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is touching him. She's a sinner. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven, little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. All right, listen, we, we already covered horizontal together, right? This doesn't sound anything like horizontal, right? This isn't people doing backflips at church, getting excited. This is, this is a lot different than that. But hor- horizontal, number one, was in worship increases our faith. Number two with vertical is that worship gives us perspective. Worship gives us perspective. Listen, this, this woman, she hears that Jesus is in town. The creator of the universe, he's in human form and he's walking, walking through her neighborhood. And this is her response. Her response is to find the most expensive thing that she owned. Because she wants to show Jesus how valuable that he is to her. She had no agenda She had nothing that she specifically needed from Jesus, or maybe she did and she just didn't, it wasn't about that at all. She only wanted to show Jesus all that he meant to her. She wanted to to bless Jesus. She wanted to honor him. So I have a question for us today, church. When was the last time that you came into the presence of God only wanting him to be blessed by you? only wanting him to be blessed by you. I say it gives us perspective because it changes your focus if you're thinking about honoring God just because of who he is. And now it's hard in our culture today to do this. I think because, you know, we live in such a environment nowadays where everything's really about the consumer, right? And so it's all about what can I get out of this? Is this worth my time? Is it worth my investment? Is this something worth going to next? And, and so we're kind of wired to think that way. And if we bring that into church, I think we can miss worship because we can start to think, okay, I'm going to lift up my hands and this is my investment, God. This is my investment and I'm expecting a return on this in a way that this woman is doing the exact opposite. Not concerned about what she's getting from Jesus. It's all about just the king of kings is in human form in town. I have to, I have to do something. And so I'm going to find whatever. Listen, he didn't even die for her yet. I think that we forget that God is worthy no matter what he does. Listen, I, got, I have three reasons for why God is worthy of worship today. Number one, he is the creator. Meaning you wouldn't exist without him. And the things that help you exist wouldn't exist without him. I would call that being worthy of worship. The fact that I wouldn't exist unless he made me, 
I worship that, right? Thank you, God, that I'm alive. Number two is that he's good. And I hope that you can separate those for a moment. Meaning God would have been worthy of worship had he made you and not be good in your eyes. He could have been, in, in our opinion, you know, selfish, self-absorbed. He could have created us and never wanted to talk to us again. And he still would have been worthy because we exist because of him. But then in addition to that, he's worthy of worship because he is good. He's a good God and he is concerned about you. He wa- the Bible tells us that he watches over us, that he knows every hair on your head, like he cares about you. And he uses his energy to help you. That's number two. Number three is that he cares about you so much that we were helpless and needed a savior. So then he looked around to come up with a plan and saw his son, Jesus. And so he sends Jesus to earth to die for sins that he did not commit to save us. That's number three. And if he didn't send his son, Jesus, he still is worthy of worship because he created you and because he's good. And then even if he wasn't good, he's still worthy of worship because you wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, that's a, that's a perspective change. And I think when we're, we're under the weight of life and struggle, we sometimes look, we look for ways to get ourselves out and all we really need is the perspective change to be able to, to be able to look at God and say, God, I don't know how to handle this, but I thank you that you made me and that you're good. I thank you for Jesus. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a, a perspective change. Now listen, believe it or not, we have people that come into our church and there's churches over town and all over the nation and the world where people will, uh, you, this isn't you guys, this isn't our church, right? But people come to church, they can be a little critical sometimes, right? They can look at certain things going on in the auditorium and they have some better ideas. This isn't our church, right? I'm sure no one's, no one's ever done this, but we, we sometimes hear things like, man, I don't like this song. Duh, where's that, where's that other worship leader? It's too loud in here. It's too quiet in here. It's too bright in here. This isn't you all, right? This is just as other places must struggle with this. It's too bright in here. Now it's, it's too dark in here. And it feels like a club inside here. Like is somebody, is somebody smoking something around me? Like where is this smoke coming from? When are we gonna stop singing this song? Or when are we gonna start singing this song? I think, I think this is the consumer mindset, right? It's how can the church serve me? And we get so focused on how is this song gonna make me feel? How is this song gonna benefit me? And do you see the difference between that mindset and the woman coming to Jesus? Not, there's no music. <laughs> there's no preference of what, there's, she just gets the most expensive thing that she has. Sometimes it could be a little more serious than that knowing that worship isn't about us, sometimes it gets a little bit more like, man, that person looks funny when they worship. Or, man, why isn't that person worshiping more? I know what that person did last month. Why are his hands in the air? That scripture says, if this man were a prophet, this is a Pharisee talking that scripture. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I don't mean to sound too harsh today, but I do want to ask the question. If your heart becomes critical in the presence of God, does that not make you more like the Pharisees than the woman? Now, I, listen, I'm, I'm saying that wanting us to understand a perspective change, okay? Okay. So that's not condemning. What I'm saying is that when you walk into any space to worship God, I encourage you to fix your eyes on the one who created you, who is good, who sustains you, and to take your eyes off of anything that makes you distracted from Jesus being in town. We have something better. 
It's the Holy Spirit. And he's in the auditorium today. Literally, God is in the room. So let's stand to our feet together. And I, I want to take a moment and respond, respond to this. So I just want to take a moment, maybe clear, clear our minds. Clear our minds of all the expectations of what we think we're supposed to get out of service today. And let's fix our eyes on the king who was in the room today. God, we turn away against all the things that have distracted us. God, because we just want to worship you because we know that you're here with us today.
just want you. Come on, we sing. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. Come on, if you com feel comfortable, let's lift our hands all across every auditorium today. Nothing else. Come on, let this come from your heart today. you to sing this from a place that maybe you have never had before. Just we just want you, Lord, nothing that is the cry of our heart today. God, we want to change in our perspective. God, we're sorry for all the times that we've walked into, into worship expecting you to do something. God, needing something from you and that stealing our focus away from what you really deserve. God, that you are worthy of worship. God, we thank you that you created us. God, we thank you that you're good. God, we thank, we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, that you make a way where there is no way. And it's because of who you are that we know that you're worthy. Thank you for meeting us here in this moment today. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen, amen. All right, everyone, that's the second section. We're going to go into our last section together. Let's go ahead and have a seat. There's a, quite a difference there, right? Quite a difference. It's all worship. You can see how one, one definition, one sentence is it's just not enough to explain what worship is. You have to experience, and I hope that you know today that worship can be exciting moments. And worship can also be moments where you're just giving God what he deserves. We've covered horizontal, that worship increases our faith. We covered vertical, which worship gives us perspective. And for the last section, I just want to take a moment and look at Paul. Paul is an apostle from the Bible who wrote most of the New Testament. And he, uh, he you know, once was named Saul, and he actually persecuted Christians. Christians died because of what was Saul, now we know as Paul. And he had a moment in the presence of God that had such an impact on, on, on Paul that it actually changes his name and changes his trajectory. This is not a long ending here. I just want to cover this with you because I think it's so important for us to understand this third dimension direction of, of worship. And as we see Paul's transformation in Acts chapter 9, it says just in a couple of verses here, this is what it, what it says happened. He said, as Paul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Yikes. Jesus talking to him saying, you're persecuting me. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul then goes to the city, meets a guy named Ananias, and his whole life changes. He now goes from killing Christians to not only becoming a Christian himself, but is a, foundation, a foundationary pillar of the beginning of the church. He actually writes letters to churches, encouraging them and helping them process what they're going through as they begin, which are a lot of those are now the books of the Bible and the New Testament that we know. That's quite a shift. And in Romans Chapter 12, he's, this is Paul writing. He, he writes to the church at Rome and he says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This third section, from horizontal to vertical, we're going to call this internal. That worship changes us. I believe it's possible to go to church services, to go and be a part of environments where you're worshiping God and to totally miss the fact that worship is supposed to change you. I believe we can give something as a sacrifice to God and it means something to him, but it be not the whole thing because we resist bringing our whole selves to the table. 
that, yeah, God, you're worth this and you're worth this and you're worth this, but I'm keeping myself. But worship, listen, look at Paul. One time in the presence of God and it shifts his whole trajectory and his whole, his whole life around. And then that Paul writes that scripture and he says, this is your true and proper worship. What was true and proper worship? It was to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Church, I want us to leave here not realize, I want us to re- leave here realizing today that if you worship and find yourself in the presence of God and you never change, you never let God have all of who you are, I'm not saying you're not worshiping, but I'm saying that the, those of us that wanna go deeper, right? You hear that in the church a lot. Like, I just want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. You have vertical, you have horizontal. The depth, I would argue, comes from personal application. The willingness to take what God says in his presence and allow it to change who you are. It doesn't, when it's, when it's describing true and proper worship, it doesn't say a specific place, a specific song, a specific amount of time, Right? doesn't say you need to worship the Hillsong and Elevation and Bethel. doesn't say you have to have the volume at a certain level or this is the level you should have the haze at to, to like really enter my presence. No, it's not describing an environment. It's describing a posture of the heart. So the truth, church, is that worship is not an activity. It's not something you have to wait until church happens to do. Worship is a posture of your heart that you live your life with. Giving God access to all the parts of you that you know need a touch from him. And it costs everything. But it's for a God who's worthy. You want depth in your relationship with God. Open up your heart to him in ways that maybe you never have before. I want us to close our eyes across all of our auditoriums today knowing that worship is supposed to change us, I just wanna ask us a few questions. And these are not to to condemn you. It's to help us all put into practice what it looks like to let God have access to maybe new areas. Listen to some of these questions and just think about it. Does God have your whole heart? When was the last time that you brought your entire self to the Lord? When was the last time that you came into God's presence with you looking to change? rather than looking for God to change something for you. If worship is a lifestyle, then am I living my life with the heart of worshiping God? Have have I conformed more to the world or have I been transformed through the presence of God? Now church, the truth is today with our eyes still closed and our heads bowed, The truth is today that you can't really give God parts of your life and give him everything and worship him in this, truly this way until you have surrendered your life to him. Until your life is surrendered to him, he isn't able. Until you give your life to him, he wants to be there for you. But until you open your arms and say, I need you, God, he has to stay at a distance. And I know there's people in all of our auditoriums today where your next step is to not look in areas of your life to try to give to God, but rather to say, I haven't given my life to God. Or maybe I have before, but it's been a long time. And I know I need to hit the reset button and say, God, you have my heart. You have my life. And the Bible tells us that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he is Lord, it says that we will be saved. And so I just want to take a moment across every auditorium, those of us joining online as well. If you know that that is your next step of God, I want you to change me. I want to worship you in this kind of way. I want to take these steps, but I know that it first starts with me saying, you are my Lord and Savior. Could you just lift your hand in the room so we can see you today? Yes, thank you. Thank you. At Sanford, South Orlando, Oviedo. We know there's people making decisions in our auditoriums today. I'm gonna give it one more moment. All right, you can put your hands down. I want those that raised your, raised your hand this morning, let's pray this in our heart as, as I pray this out loud and say, God, I love you. And I thank you for saving me. 
Today I acknowledge I am a sinner and I'm only saved by your grace. God, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place today. Complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for every person that joined us this morning. God, I just pray that you would continue to increase our faith, give us, give us perspective of who you are, God. And we, we pray especially, God, that you would change us. We give you access to that part of our life today to change us, to look more like the person that you've created us to be. God, we thank you for meeting us in, our auto, in these auditoriums today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, can we celebrate all those hands that we just saw lifted up today? Come on.